off momentarily. Again, welcome to our fellowship. We are so excited to have you with us. And uh, we will now prepare to go into uh, the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning. Uh, you are good and your mercy endures forever. I pray, Lord, that none of me, all of you, as we go into your word this morning. Father God, I pray that you would speak and inspire us today. And I pray, Lord God, that having heard this word, that there would be application, there would be faith, there would be inspired afresh. And that, God, that we would, uh, uh, Lord God, move into the things that you have for us. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. And I give myself over to you. Take these lips of clay and do what only you can do through this vessel. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter number 12, verses 1 through verse number 3. When you get there, you can say something like, Amen, or I love you, Lord, praise you, talk to me, Lord, get me straight, Lord. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> now, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. Everybody say great nation. Great nation. And I will bless you. Everybody say bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Everybody say blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We have been in a series uh, talking about God encounters. It's been quite fascinating to me because I am so encouraged as we study these series of messages and these characters in the Bible because it gives me hope because they're people just like you and me. One of the things that gives me great delight is to know that sometimes in your walk, you, you, you struggle, you have difficulties in life. We all have to go through that, right? And it's a very good thing to know that people in the Bible went through the same things that we are going through. But yet, God still used them in a significant way. And, and God wants us to know that there is hope for every one of us. As I read stories in the Bible and, and I study the life of David, and we have been talking about Moses the last time, and, and how God, even though Moses was a fugitive and he had killed a man, and after 40 years, God shows back up and God still gives him a second chance. God still says to him, even though you've messed up, even though you've blown it, I still will use you. How many know God doesn't use perfect people? You got to get, so look at a neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. So stop acting like I am. <laughs> Sometimes we do, don't we? We, we? we tend to put things on people. We tend to think people, you know, but, but we're all just going through this process of life together. And God used people who were broken and people that had issues and people that were dealing with all kinds of things. God used them and God encountered their lives in magnificent ways. One of the things is we've been talking about God encounter, that we 
understand that in the various encounters that we see in the Bible, that these encounters change the lives of the people that were touched by God. Someone say to me, well, pastor, I've been changed. I've been encountered by God, but then there's no fruit or evidence to show that you have been encountered. Then I wonder if that was just a case of bad pizza. Because when you really get encountered by God, how many know there's a change in your life? One of the, the, the biggest encounter that should have happened to all of us, and I hope every one of us can say that, and I believe that to be the case here, that, that, that the biggest encounter you had was when you came to Jesus, right? When, when, when you decided to give your life to Jesus, many of you know, you can, think, you can remember the day, you can remember the hour that you surrendered your life. Because at that moment, you was encountered by God, and your life was never, ever the same. I wonder about people that say I've been encountered by God, but there's no change. But every time I read the Bible and people had an encounter with God, there was just something in their life that just changed. I mean, they, they were different in the way they walked. They were different in the way they talk and their faith level was elevated. There was something about their life that was changed. And, and, you know, and they lived with an expectation that God could change their situation at any moment. See, that's what part of this series is all about, is that you and I learn to walk with a kind of faith saying that no matter what your situation is, no matter how bad it is, that a touch from God, it can change on a dime. Oh, my goodness. Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? That it doesn't matter what you're going through, that God wants us to be live in a way that, that, that we can know that he can change our situation, that God can come through. How many of you have ever cried unto the Lord? He heard and he showed up. That was an encounter with God. And God wants us to live with the kind of faith that says, you know, Lord, I believe, I believe, Lord, that even though it's hard right now, even though I don't know the answers, you may be dealing with a sickness. You may be dealing with a financial problem. You may be, de may be dealing with a relational problem. I don't know what your, what your issue is, but I know that there's a God that can solve every one of them. And we need to walk like we believe that God could change our situation. Because I know that he can. Many of us, you have experienced how God has touched your life. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. How many of you love that scripture? Be honest. Do you really love that scripture? Or do you just like what it says? It just sounds nice. Because you know what he's saying? You're going to live your life in a way. I'm not, I'm not going to give you a lot of detail about how, you, how things are going to turn out. You're just going to have to trust me. Now, let me ask you that question again. How many of you love that scripture? <laughs> right? Because what God is saying, when he said the just shall live by faith, he's saying you are going to, sometimes you're going to have to sit there and you're just going to have to wonder. Sometimes you're just going to have to sit there. It may be months. It may be weeks. It may be days. And you're just going to have to trust me. Well, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I've been praying about this for weeks. I've been praying about this for months. I've been praying about this for years. God said, I know all that, but you remember what I said to you? The just shall live by faith. Wow. Faith. Kind of like what Abraham had to go through here. <laughs> How many know that the Bible always goes counter the way the world system operates, right? You know how, you know, the Bible always make you want to do stuff that you don't want to do, love your enemies, 
do good to them that do bad to you. You know, the scripture says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We perverted that. We like do unto others as they done unto us. Like if you talk about me, I'm going to talk about you. If you mess with me, I just might mess with you. But Jesus said, love your enemy. Do good. Bless them. He said, have a party. In fact, when people just mess all over you, he's rejoicing. Be exceedingly glad about it because great is your reward in heaven. What? Well, you don't understand what he did, but see, it's a life of faith. And if we're, listen, watch this now. If you're expecting to have a great God encounter, you want a God encounter to really impact your life, watch this. You have to come to a place in your life where you say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to follow and do it just the way you want me to do it. Because, see, a God encounter would not mature in your life until you come to a place, number one, where you're looking for it, number one, and that you're willing to submit your life and say, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. You see, Abraham had every chance where he could have said, I ain't going nowhere. You want me to leave my country? You want me to leave all of that? No, no, I'm not. No, no, you got to talk to me. God, give me some more. I mean, I might have been that. The Bible says that Abraham was the father of our faith for a reason. Abraham had some, Abraham had like crazy faith. I mean, God says he's waiting for years for a son. God says, in your son, all the families of the earth, the promised child, Isaac, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Sarah, and here Abraham is probably thinking, wait a minute, I'm an old man. My wife can't have kids. And, 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 and you're talking like this. This just, this just doesn't make any sense. And you want me to just up and leave? You know what Abraham did? The Bible said Abraham left. And watch this. He didn't have a clue where he was going. The just shall live by faith. But how many know that was an encounter? That was a moment. See, there are moments that God shows up in your life. Every day, God shows up in little ways, sometimes in big ways. But he shows up. Every time he shows up in your life, he, he says, okay, here is an opportunity. What are you going to do with what I'm telling you to do? Because if we submit and allow God to have his way in us, then the encounter will make a huge difference in our lives. Because it will change us. It will take us to a whole other level. So the first thing that God says to Abraham, let's dissect this a little bit. He says, Abraham, I want you to get out from your place. Get out, leave your country. Now, Abraham had money. He had resources. He had all of that. He had family. So, you know, most of us, we, we got money, we got family, we got resources. We, a lot of times we ain't moving, right? Because everything is good. I'm not going to leave this. I got and, and And God says to Abraham, Abraham, in order for what I want to do in your life, how many of you want God to do some big things in your life? I mean, you want big stuff. Here's what God is saying. Okay, if you want big stuff, you got to be willing to leave the place of familiarity and come into what I want you to do. Abraham could have never been, we won't be talking about Abraham today, had Abraham decided to say, I ain't go, I'm not going to do that. But because Abraham responded into obedience to God, when he was encountered by God, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go. And he gave up everything. And he went. See, God comes to us, God says, you know, you got to be willing to give up that immorality. You got to be willing to give up those drugs. You got to be willing to give up that bitterness and that unforgiveness. You got to be willing to give for, uh, to give up lying and deceiving. You got to be willing to give all of that up. So I'm coming to you. I'm saying I want you to leave all of that and I want to take you to a new place. There's a choice at that moment. What are you going to do when God asks you to leave what you're comfortable with? 
to step into something that is much bigger than where you are. He said, well, I don't know about that. But see, here's what the just shall live by faith, right? Because we want God to do big things in life. And if, you, God, if God's going to do big things in your life, then we just got to respond and do what he says do. A lot of times it don't make sense to us. You look at your situation and you say, how am I going to do that? That doesn't make sense to me. God says, just do it. How many of you love that Nike commercial? Just do it. Every time I see it, I think of the word of God. I believe that was handcrafted from heaven. Just do it. Don't have any conversation. Don't try to rationalize it. I mean, you can't rationalize. You, most of the stuff you read in the Bible, it don't make sense. I'm just telling you. I laugh at these people say they don't understand everything about the Bible. Of course you don't understand everything about the Bible, the word of God. You can't exhaust the word of God because he asked you to do stuff that goes counter to your way of thinking. But he's saying, if you want to go to this next level that I have for you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave that to go here. You say, I'm comfortable here, God. I like this place. I carved this out. I work hard on this. This is my baby. This is everything. This is it, God. He got to know. But if you want to go to the next level, you got to leave it. Oh, my goodness. Really? God, come on, God. You, you know how much I put into this. God, you know what I've been doing. I mean, come on, God. You want me? To- yes, you got to leave it in order to, to, to go to the next level and experience the kind of blessing that I want you to have in your life. You got to be willing to take the next step. Look at Matthew chapter number 16, verses 24 through 27. It says, and Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, now watch this, people. This is so strong. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what is, so that's a, so what's for the profit? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? This is, this is Christianity's discipleship 101. That, that the first thing that happened to you when you gave your life to Christ, you basically were saying, I'm forfeiting my rights. <laughs> That's basically what you said. When you got saved, you said, okay, I'm forfeiting my rights. If you tell me that you got saved and you never forfeited your rights, you didn't get saved. Uh-oh. Think about it. Because what you're saying to God is, Lord, I am willing. I didn't say that sometimes you struggle. Sometimes, you know, you have to wrestle. But, but, but you're saying to God, God, as I'm going to give up my life, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow the pathway that you have for me. See, the Bible says if you're willing to lose it, hold things in your life loosely. I wish I had something I could hold loosely. Thank you, Lord. The Lord always got a ram in the bush. <laughs> I don't even know where this came from. I don't know what that is. But God always got, see, we need to hold things in life like this loosely as a Christian. Sometimes we get a hold of stuff and we're like this. And God is like, and you're like, no. But we, God wants us to live our life like this. Just loose. God, so God, whenever you call me, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready. Because it's not my life. Because I know that his life is the best life. Now, you got to believe that. you got to believe that what God has for you is better than where you are now. But how do you know the devil always gives you a counterfeit? He wants you to think that where you are is the best. This is good. This is wonderful. This is the best. You don't want to leave. No, 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 no. If God says to you, I want you to put that down. I want you to come over here. Then how do you know what God is saying is much better for you than where you are? I don't care what nobody say. I don't care what it looks like. 
Next point. Oh, I love this point. But, but before, I, before I go to the next point, point number two, you remember the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 to 22? She can put it there on the screen. I'll, you can read it if you like. But, you know, Jesus came to him. He had a lot of money. And, and he said, he come up to the Lord. He said, Lord, Lord, Lord. He's all happy. He says, you know, I'm obeying the scriptures. I'm walking with the Lord. I, I, I got it all together. You know, things are great. And, and, and what else do I need to do, Lord? What else do I need to do? I, Jesus said, okay, one thing you lack. How many know God always knew that one thing that, that holds you? You know, you did everything right, and Jesus wanted to go mess with that one thing. Lord, can you mess with everything? I did everything else right, Lord. Jesus, no, 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 no. There's, there's one thing that you got a problem with. Sell everything you got. Sell it to the poor and come and follow me. Or give it to the poor, whichever one. And you know what he said? The Bible says that he walked away sorrowful. You know what that means? He didn't do it. So guess what? He had an encounter with God that did not mature because he was not willing to respond in obedience to what God said. Therefore, he did not experience the fullness of blessing that God has for him in his life. I mean, no, we don't want to be people like that. Number two, next point. He says, this is good. He says, I want to make of you a great nation. What? Well, well God, what about just give me a nice car? God, what about just uh, pay my bills? God, what about just give me a nice big flat screen TV? You know, because that's where we relegate the blessing of God to sometimes, right? Do you know? Yo, that's all it's all about. Just, you know, come on. Let, let's, can, can, we, let me, let me just, can, can we talk like Joan Rivers used to say? Can we talk? You remember Joan Rivers, comedian? She used to say that all the time. Can you talk? Life is much more than just material things. I have come to a resolve that, you know, I got, we got plenty examples before us that material things don't satisfy. Right? And yet we keep chasing after material things, and it don't satisfy. The only thing that's going to be a real value is what we do for Jesus. That's it. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I was listening to Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Anybody know who those folks are? How many of you would love to be blessed like they're blessed? I would. I sure. But, you know, it took them a long time to come to a revelation. I heard them say the other day that they have, they're making a pact together that they're going to give away, before they die, half of all of their money. Because I believe that somewhere along the line, through their journey of trying to obtain riches, they realize it's something better than this. I can have everything I got. I mean, what else is there to live for? And they realize that it's more blessed to give than to receive. But they, so they got their revelation that we're going to give it all away. Because you feel good when you can give it away. You feel good when you can help other people. You feel good when you feel like you've made an impact when you can say, Lord, take my life. I'm a conduit of blessing because I want eternal value with what I have. And the only way you're going to have that is you got to be willing to give it up. Look at your name and say, give it up. He says, now, I will make you a great nation. Now, watch this. You know what God, so God wasn't thinking small. Think about it. Abraham didn't, are y'all tracking with me? Abraham didn't have any kids, all right? His wife was barren, all right? 
Now, she is at least about in her 70s at this point, and he's at least about in his 80s, fastly approaching his 90s. And God shows up and says, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I would have been like, looking at my present circumstance, like a great nation. What are you talking about, God? You're going to make this a nation? I don't even have one kid. You're going to make this a nation? God said, listen, if you're willing to step out in faith, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you a great nation. In other words, God was saying that what I'm about to do in your life is much bigger than what you could ever think or imagine. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. So therefore, then, watch this. We need to, as believers, we need to start thinking big. Listen, it's not just about this little piece of thing right here. How about asking God for the nations? How about asking God for peoples? How about asking God for cities? How about asking God for big influence? See, we got to change our way of thinking. As a people, we got to think big. God, God always think big. He, that's just the way he thinks. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation, boy. I'm, if, if you will just let go, if you, if you are willing to do what I tell you to do, Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation. Now, Abraham was probably looking at his situation and saying, I don't see how this is possible. But, you know, if God said that's what he's going to do, I guess I'm just going to have to trust him. And we're talking about Abraham today. And we can see the fulfillment of the promise materializing right before our eyes. Because Abraham decided to trust God. Look at 2 Kings, I believe. 2 Kings chapter 13. I'm going to show you something in the word of God this morning. 2 Kings chapter number 13. How many of you love the word? Amen. Hallelujah. I just love to preach the word of God because it just speaks for itself. Watch this. In verse number 17. Uh, uh, 2 Kings 13, verses 17. I'll start in verse 14. I may not give you verse 14, but I'll start in verse 14, and then we'll go down to verse number 19. Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Watch this. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elijah put his hands to the king's hand. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Now watch this. Now I want you to pay close attention to this in verse 17. Then Elijah said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, the error of the Lord's deliverance and the error of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Apac till you have destroyed them. Now watch this. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and he stopped. Watch this. Now I want you to get that. He struck three times and he stopped. He struck three times and he stopped. He struck three times and he stopped. Verse 19, and the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria, Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria, uh, Syria only three times. So what was God saying to the, the man of God saw something there? It's almost like Joash, who was the king of Israel, he wasn't really sure. It seemed like he was kind of hesitant to believe that God would really be able to deliver them from the hands of the Syrians. So what he does, Abraham, the man of God says, go strike the ground a few times. Go strike. The, he just said, go strike the ground. He took the stick. He goes, and I'm trying to figure out how he did it. But I imagine he probably went like, just like, okay, I, I hope God, I hope God comes through. I don't know. I, maybe he will. Maybe he won't. 
We don't know. We don't know. And the Bible says that the man of God got angry. And he said to him, you should have struck the ground a whole six or seven times. Because then God would have, God would have destroyed the Syrians. See, in other words, he was thinking too small, wasn't really believing that God can do something big in his life. Because God is often thinking much bigger than we are. He just does. God, God thinks much bigger. I mean, if you want to be on the cutting edge of what God's doing, think globally. Because God, listen, God ain't just thinking about the shopping center in Stafford. God is thinking about the nations. He is thinking about peoples all over the place. And so we need to start thinking, Lord, how can I reach peoples, cities, and nations for your glory? And you, and you say, well, I'm looking at my situation. I don't see how that could possibly happen. Well, it got not much to do with you. When he called you in the first place, it didn't have much to do with you. As everything that you've been blessed with in your life didn't really have much to do with you. God just decided to bless you because he loves you. He just decided to say, you know what? I'm going to do something wonderful in your life. I say sometimes, to the Lord, when I, I got a whole bunch of questions for God. Like one of them, like, Lord, why did you even choose me to be a part of me? I'm looking at all these other people that are running around rampant, and you chose me. Why me? Why me? Why me? I don't know. Maybe I'll just fall down and just weep, and I won't have to say a word. But how I many know it's all about him? And with God purpose to do something in your life, ain't no devil in hell is going to stop it. Amen. There's no man, there's no woman, there's no intellect. There's nothing that can stop what God has decreed that he's going to do in your life. Not one thing. If God says this is what's going to happen, you better believe it. God will move heaven and earth to make sure it comes to pass. Remember children of Israel standing at the water. They, like, they're standing. They're about Pharaoh's army is on their back. What are we going to do? God said, tell my people to move forward. They go forward and God open up the, the, the Red Sea and they walk on dry ground. Amen. How many know that's called a miracle? <laughs> How many have ever found yourself with your back up against the wall and you don't know which way to go? That's right. here's, here's what you do. If you ever find yourself like you don't know what to do, just keep going. Mm. You may have to go look. You may have to be limping a little bit. All right. You may have to be bruised. You might have a bloody lip, you know, but just keep going. That's keep right. going. I'm wounded, I'm messed up, I'm broken, I'm mad, my heart ain't right, everything, but I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to keep fighting, because the Bible says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't you quit ever on God. Because you've got no reason to quit on God. Come on, somebody. You ought to be excited about this thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> he says to Abraham, point number three, he says, watch this. I will bless you. Isn't that good? I will bless you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this scripture. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Whoo, glory to God. He said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You know, you got to believe in your heart that everything that God is doing in your life is to bless you. If God comes to your life and God says to you concerning, you know, you read his word and God convicts you and he says, okay, you need to change this, you need to do that. Don't argue with the word. Here's what you do. Just go ahead and just do what it says. You know why? Because God says, I want to bless you. You got to believe that 
everything that God, some people think that God just want to, you know, he, he's a kill joy. He just don't want you to enjoy your life. He's just coming up with all these rules and regulations. And God is not about it. God, God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. So we got to believe that he's going to bless us. And, and, and the way that we demonstrate our belief is we say, okay, well, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to go ahead with it. I'm going to go ahead with this, Lord. It don't make sense to me. I don't really feel like I maybe have sometimes not felt like obeying God. I mean, come on. You just sometimes, you don't feel like, you know, sometimes you get in your moods. Sometimes y'all get in the flesh and you just stay in there. So this is my moment to, to a flesh attack. You know, you have little moments like that. that I'm just going to go off and then I get relieved and I'll come back and repent later. <laughs> <laughs> Some of y'all laugh because you know you've been there, done that. But, you know, every time we put God's word behind us and we don't do what he says, then we're missing out on an opportunity to be blessed. So that puts obedience to God's word in a whole different light. Right. Because if God asks me to do something, he wants me to be blessed. That's why he's asking me to do it. He's not asking me to do something because he just God just full of like. Rules and regulations. You know, I, I, I say to people all the time who struggle with this issue of homosexuality, you know, they struggle with it. And, and I love you. Know, I love all people. I mean, you love everybody. You want everybody to come into the kingdom. But God ain't saying that, you know, people think, well, God is not like angry at people and mad and he wanted to just take things. No, God said, I know what's best. because I know how I design the thing. So if I made a truck and I built the thing from scratch, nobody knows better than me how to put that thing together. And I know how to make it work good because I'm the one that built it. And if you go against my design, then you're just going to have a problem. I'm just here to tell you that. Now, if you want to go ahead and do it, I'll let you do it. But my design is do it this way. Then you would experience the blessing of obedience and doing it my way. But if you don't want to do it my way, then you're going to have problems. You're going to have, you're going to have uh, issues. It's not going to work right. How many of you have ever, like, had a car and you didn't go get it, keep up the maintenance on it? At some point, that you, you, how many of you, like, you get that manual and you, like, throw that thing in the glove compartment, you'd never look at it again? Except when something broke and you want to try to figure out how to fix it. But, you know, if you, read, if you look at that manual, they got a whole list of things. They tell you when, how many miles you're supposed to get your oil changed, your transmission changed, your hoses changed, your belts changed. And you don't want to do all that because you know it's going to cost you a whole lot of money. But what the, what the dealer, in essence, is saying to you, by doing all of these things, now you can, you can go ahead and do it the way you want to do it, but it will last much longer and the car will work much better for you if you do what we suggest. Well, what gives them the authority to say that? They made the thing. Right? They made it. So if they made it, then they say, hey, this is how you do it to make so it can run in its optimum form. And then we don't do it, and then we come in and say, oh, my car broke down. Somebody help me. Well, you, did you follow the thing, the design? That's what happens. It don't work right. <laughs> you know, so we got to look at the day and say, do it God's way. All right, number four. He says, I'll bless you. And he says, I will make your name great. The Bible says in Psalm 75, 6 and 7, it says, for exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. How many know God said, listen, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want self-promotion, right? They want to try to manipulate their way into fame. They want to be known. But, you know, the beauty thing, the wonderful thing about God, God says, he says to Abraham, he says, here's what I'm going to do with you, Abraham. I'm going to make, I'm going to make your name great. 
You talk to most great leaders in the kingdom of God, a lot of them will tell you, I had no idea that this was going to happen. It just happened. And then I, I laugh because you go to these conferences sometimes, and they try to, and they're all, some of them are trying to figure out some kind of formula. You know, okay, here's how we got the ministry as big as we got it. We did A, B, C, D. And you can tell that, you know what, I tried, you said, I tried that, I did, that not work. Because it really has little to do with them. They don't really know. All they know is, you know, how do you know one day you're going to wake up, you got a, a church with members of 25,000. How can you really plan for that? I mean, all of us say 25, but come on. That's a God thing. I mean, you preach and 3,000 people get saved in one day. That's a God thing. Ain't no formula. You can't explain that. God just decided to bless you that way. It's a God thing. He says, I will make your name great. So that means that I don't have to try to put myself on the map. I don't have to try to manipulate my way. I just got to say, you know what? God's going to take care of me. He's going to put me right where he wants me to be. And you know what? And people are just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> They're just going to have to deal with what God is doing in my life. The fifth point. We only have seven. He says, and you shall be a blessing. Amen. Look at this encounter with God. Now, God has given him some deep stuff. God says, now, Abraham, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be a blessing. How many of you want to be a blessing? I mean, you really want to be a blessing. You don't want to just receive. See, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> but you look in some Christian circles, we think, no, the way we act, it's more blessed to get than to give. <laughs> That's why you act sometimes. But what if the whole body of Christ just said, you know what, I'm just looking for a way to bless you all. I just want to be a blessing to you. I just want to bless you. You know what, we should be a blessing to the shopping center at the church. You know, we see paper on the shopping center. We should look, look, I'm going to pick up the paper. It ain't my shopping center, but I just want to be a blessing because I got the hand of God on my life. And I got the favor of God, so I just want to bless you. Everywhere I go, when you walk in the atmosphere, you walk in, people say, see you and say, oh, that go blessing Peggy. That go blessing Michelle. That go blessing uh, a diver. Yeah. Blessing. Amen. There they go. Look, that's my blessing right there. Coming through the door. <laughs> I had one lady who my, my, my brother-in-law who passed a couple years ago, and uh, I don't know if you all are familiar with the story of Bozat, Boaz and Ruth and how he took care of Boy, has took care of Ruth and all of that. And, 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 and she's referred to her husband. She said, that's my Boaz. I said, wow. I think the spirit, of, I think we all should be each other's Boazes. Just, just always just providing and being a blessing. God, you know, that's really the essence of real giving. It, listen, you got 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. You got that scripture verse? Read it. Look at that. But this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, right? Keep going. So let each one give as he purposes in his what? Heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Keep going. And God is able to make all grace, and watch this, abound towards you. See, remember, we want to think like God, that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. In other words, brother, you, you, you can do it all. May have an abundance, not just a little bit, but an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, who's going to give you seed? God. 
and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. God wants you to be a blessing. And what he was saying to Abraham, you see, a lot of people got to understand this. When God bless your life, it ain't just for you. Stop thinking about the blessing that I got. It's just running around. God bless me. God bless I got favor. Hallelujah. Favor. I got favor. You know, it's all right to say I got favor. Come on, yo. But that favor ain't just given to you just for you. The favor of God is given to you to be a blessing because God always thinks generationally. God is always thinking much bigger than you. He's thinking beyond you. Yes, the byproduct is you get to be a recipient of the blessing. But don't stop there and think it's all about me. Because God can't trust you with a lot because you're too stuck on yourself. So listen, God, look, if you're faithful with least, he'll give you much. Right. So he ain't going to give you something that you're not faithful with what you got now. So if we're faithful with what he give us now, then he'll bless us with much. So he want us to be a blessing. And you need to start thinking of what. Listen, we're going to live the kingdom principles. You might say, well, I'm going to wait until my situation change. No, no, no. The only time to live right is now. Don't say, well, I'm going to wait till this change. No, no. Do what God says now. That's the only way to obey. Don't be a procrastinator when it comes to God's word. Don't procrastinate when God said do something. Just say, okay, Lord, I heard your word. Good. I ain't going to say and argue with it because I know that if I do it his way, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to walk in supernatural favor. How many of you want supernatural favor? God just give you stuff and show you and, and just bless you. And you're like, how in the world did that happen? You, next thing you know, you're standing up here testifying what God did in your life because I just obeyed what God said. Look at the neighbor and say, I'm ready to put him to the test. <laughs> now, don't say that if you don't mean it. Say, Lord, I'm ready to put you to the test. I'm ready to go. I'm ready, I'm ready to do, God, what it is you want me to do. Because he wants to be a blessing. Number six, we only got seven. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. How many of you got some enemies? You got enemies that you don't even know about. There are some people who just don't like you. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when, when people mess with you, you know, one of the things I learned years ago, and, 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 you know, it's been a blessing to me. I, I don't worry about it. If people talk about me and they mistreat me, uh, or they slander me, I don't worry about it. I don't, you'll never see me argue with people, yelling and screaming, don't do that. Because I see, the Bible says, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. The Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So watch this. So I don't have to worry about what people are saying. Let, let me just say this. Now, I don't know how true this stuff is, and I don't know what happened with with Eddie Long or whether or not this stuff is true. Have y'all heard about the, the stuff over in uh, Atlanta, Georgia with this pastor, this mega church? I don't know anything about this situation. I don't know if he's innocent, guilty, but I will say this. If by chance that he didn't do any of that stuff and these boys just decided to get together in a coup and make it all up, he don't need to defend himself. Because God is going to defend him. And, it's, and when God defends you, it's big. When God got your back, brother, you don't have to worry about nothing. You know, and I, and I, I said to people, man, you mess with me, brother. You, got, you, don't want, you don't want to do that. You don't know what you're doing. I got God's favor with me. I just, that's the way I live my life. Romans 12, verse 17 through 21. Romans 12, verses 17 through 21. Watch this. Repay no evil for evil. Well, I'm going to get them back. 
Now, you know, sometimes we think that I'm going to get them back. No, don't get nobody back. See, because the scripture says don't do it. Now, the scripture says don't do it. So you go get somebody back. Then you got to carry that. That's your own baby. You got to deal with it. Because God says, repay no evil. Well, you don't know, Pastor, how they treated me. You don't know how they did me. You don't understand. Okay. Repay no evil for evil. Watch this. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. For it is, it is possible as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. <laughs> now, now, look, some folks you can't be peaceful with. Some people you just got to walk away from. That's okay. You know, sometimes it's, ain't no hope. I got to get out of here. All right. Be- You know, yeah, I just had a moment. I'm sorry. Back to, back to the word. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to what? Wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, watch this. He don't just say, look, he, God, God is deep. Because he could have just left it right there and said, I mean, it's good enough, God. He said, don't repay him back. Okay, so I, but God goes a step further. He said, now, not only don't repay them back for the evil that they've done to you, but if they are hungry, I want you to give them something to eat. <laughs> he ain't cutting you loose, is he? He said, in fact, if he's hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. <laughs> so that's how you deal with evil. That's how you deal with it. You just do it God's way. And remember, you're having a God encounter. God says, okay, here's how I want you to do it. You do it God's way, then God says, if you do it my way, then don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with doing good. That's how we overcome. We just be good. We don't, we don't, listen, we don't get into fights with people. We don't get into argument with people. I'm just going to bless you. You mistreated me. You talked about me. I'm going to go buy you some flowers. I'm going to go get you some chocolates. Now, in fact, I know you've been talking about being at the office, and I know you don't like me, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Starbucks and the four bucks. That's what I call it, four bucks. And I'm going to get you a cup of coffee and bless you. Because in so doing, you're heaping coals of fire on his head, you see. He isn't set up for God to have to deal with it because you have submitted yourself to God. And when you submit yourself to God, you're going to get the God kind of results. Every time we submit to God, God assumes the responsibility to take care of the rest. See, our, our issue is just do what he says. He says, do what I tell you to do. I got you covered. Now, if you jump outside of that, then you're on your own. You know, in the military ranks, you know, you, I've never been in the military, but, you know, you're on the battlefield, you got ranks. I know enough to know this much. You got ranks. If somebody want to get stupid and try to decide to jump outside the ranks, you just might get blown up because you're on your own. Because the, 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 the whole camp is going this way, and you decided, I don't like the way it's going. I got scared, so I'm going to jump the ship. Well, if you jump the ship, you just might get shot because you're supposed to stay with the flank, stay with the rank and file. You step outside the line, then you're on your own. Lastly, but not least, he says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, this salvation that we have is not just supposed to be, you know, how many of you, it's not enough for me. And I, I, I got to give this testimony because I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'll tell you anyway. <sighs> My wife, she always get at me about this, but she always say to me. She says, okay, so I know this is my moment. I'm humbling myself before you. I'm saying that you are right, all right, and I'm wrong. Now, she's going to wear me out with this. I know I'm going to get it. 
that's the problem with being a preacher. You got to live what you say. So she always say to me, honey, well, I got, uh, uh, my mother is one, she's one sibling of 22 kids, all right? Very, very large family. And uh, the family has been very, very fractured because there was a lot of abuse many, many years ago with my mom. And, and you know, so the family, we got, I got a lot of family, uncles, first cousins, nieces. Now, I don't even know. They're up in New York, New Jersey. Some of y'all might be some kin to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I got them all over the place. And so, you know, Facebook is a miracle, ain't it? Facebook. So I'm sitting there on Facebook. And, you know, I see all my old family, and I did, my wife always said, you need to, how come your family is not close? You need to get in contact with your family. You need to, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to connect with your family. I don't understand that, you know, because she's closer to her family. Right? I'm like, well, look, I'm fine. I ain't mad at nobody. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good. Like, you know, they, they ain't messing with me. I ain't messing with them. Everybody happy, <laughs> you know. So I'm watching Facebook the other day, and I'm on Facebook, and uh, somebody put up, one of the cousins that I don't know, one of my first cousins, never met him, don't know him. And so they got all these names, you know, how you put a, somebody put a picture on Facebook and then, you know, everybody comment on it, right? So you got all these people, this, this comment line is like this big. So I'm looking at all these names, like who are all these people? And they're saying grandma and granddad, but they're saying grandma and granddad to the picture which, which depicted my grandmother and my grandfather with some of my aunts and my, 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 my aunt. And I'm looking at the picture and immediately, I mean, it was like out of nowhere, I just got teary-eyed because I saw a picture that brought me way back to when I was a kid. And I see, the, I'm like, oh, goodness. That's, so all these people that I don't even know are calling them grandma and grandma. And, then every, no, and so in, in that whole context, here's the thing. Everybody was asking each other, who are you and how are you related? Now, why is that profound? Because here I am, a preacher of the gospel. And I got a mission field. I got something in common with people that I don't want to have nothing to do with. No desire at all. So I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this. And, and there's one guy, he started talking to me, one of them. He said to me, and we just started talking. He says, well, I'm your first cousin. He don't know me. We're just talking. He says, um, I told him who I was, and he lives up in the Bronx, New York. He said, well, I just got out of jail. Uh, he said, I'm starting part two of my life. I've been in jail for about, uh, uh, he got uh, convicted for 30 years for a murder sentence. And he spent 15 years in jail. And I'm glad to hear you're doing well, and I hope I can get to meet you, you know. And I'm sitting there, you know, because to me that don't bother me. I work in that field. so Because I, I always believe that, you know, redemption. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, these are people that we want to reach. But I got a whole bunch of them right here. And I begin, and I was reading this scripture. You see how God brings things about together? And God said, in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. God is always thinking about families and generation. God is the one that established families. So let me say something to you, that if you got a problem with your family, then you got a problem with your faith in your God. Because he, number one, established a family. And your job and my job is to reach them. Because we have, so, and, I, and I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and, I'm, and everybody, we're getting to know each other. I got an uncle that I had not seen since 1974, and I only saw him one time. He's my mother's brother. I'm looking at him like, who is that? He looked like one of my family. He looked like me, but who is it? I saw the man once when my grandmother died back in 1974. And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, you know what? This got to stop. I'm supposed to be saved. I'm supposed to be of the redeemed. 
then at some point the curse got to stop somewhere. Why can't it stop with me? Why, why, can't, why can't we step up as the people of God and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We want you to know that Jesus, because you know what happened in my family? Jesus wasn't at the center of it. And if Jesus ain't at the center of it, you get chaos. But the amazing thing, we talk about how we want to witness, you know, they, they were all wanting to talk to me. Because I can, see, I can reach people in my family that you can never reach because you don't have that connection. But because there's blood, we know each other. They'll listen to me. They may not even like me, <laughs> but because I'm family, you're related. Hey, tell me about who is this? How, you got, how many kids you got? What? And then all of a sudden, how, how God, I'm glad God, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's never even talked to a pastor or a preacher or what. And he's sitting there talking to me. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting there teary-eyed, look at that Facebook. Like, oh, that Facebook. You know, Facebook, Facebook got me. It bit me. <laughs> so, so I'm going to say to y'all, listen, this gospel that you have, God encounters you so that you can reach people. And those people, God cares about your family. He says, this salvation is not just for you, but your whole household and your children's children. So God not only wants you to be saved, he wants your babies, your grandbabies, your great-grand. God wants this to have generational consequences. So here's what we go. So, so some of us just need to say, I just need to get that right. Because I'm guilty. I, I messed up. I need to, I want to refocus and get to know some of these people that are my, they ain't my, you know, you got the distant cousins, you can kind of rationalize a little bit, they're fourth and fifth. But these are like first cousins. These are aunts and uncles. And I'm like embarrassed to have to sit here, stand here and tell you that. And my wife yelled, been yelling at me for years, what's wrong with you? You know, now I, I, I see. I was running for something I didn't want to have to deal with. But you know what, when you have a real encounter with God, that's what it does, it changes the way you think about stuff. So I've been changed. That's in the moment because I'm responding to the encounter that God brought to me. There's a moment that I have. Some of you, there's a moment that you got folks in your family that you haven't spoken to in years. And you say that you are a believer and you love God. You better go and make it right. I don't know what else to tell you. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.